How many of you know that the Lord is good? All the time. That, that's exactly right. I am so excited to be on the winning team. And you'll hear me say that over and over again because some people don't realize it. They don't realize they're on a winning team. They, 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 uh, uh, they're struggling through life. They're not satisfied with the way that things are going in their Christian walk. And, and the enemy convinces them that it's just going to be toil and terror all the rest of the days of their life, all right? And listen, I'm telling you what. There is a, there's a war that's going on, all right? But, but Jesus has won the most significant battle that ever needed to be fought. Do you know what I'm talking about? And uh, the, the, the war is just us continue to walk in his victory. Us being able to continue to walk in what he has already accomplished for us. And, and it's too many people find themselves uh, stuck in the, the, the mindset of the things and the limitations of this world, the, of the problems of this world. But I want to tell you something. You may be having a hard time. You know, it, it, it's going to come. It's going to happen for us all. And actually, the more you, you push into him, all right, the more you say, I want to be used by him, the enemy's going to come against you, all right? But greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. How many believe the scriptures? Amen. That's a scripture I just gave to you. All right. So let's pray. Shall we? Father, we come to you today. We're thankful that you've given us an opportunity to take the bread of life, to take the word, that which sustains you, that which you use to come against the enemy and say, it is written. It's important for uh, us, Lord, to know the word. It's important for us to expound upon it, to talk about it, and, and just to have a great time uh, with it feeding us and changing us from the inside out. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. I thank you, Lord, for even this day and this new season that we're coming into. Spring's around the corner. We're about ready to get busy and move into some more uh, activities and some events that's going to uh, help to grow the kingdom. So help us, Lord, as we follow you. In Jesus' name, let all God's people say amen. 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 All right. Well, as I said, I'm glad that you're here. I've been talking about uh, this uh, theme that the Lord played up, laid upon my heart at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year for this year, and it is activated. And, and uh, I, it's not a series that I had all, all written down. It's something I've been praying into, and I'm saying, Lord, you know, what is it that we need to be activated to? What, what kind of, what, what theme will stick with us so that it will be an applicable point, something that can be applied within everyone's life? And so uh, let's take a look at what we've talk, been talking about as far as activated. We've been activated to pray. We've been activated to uh, fast, we've been activated in the word, we've been activated to celebrate, to equality, to love, and then last week we talked about activated to what? Discipleship. And uh, it was so awesome. We have close to 70 individuals who are signed up for Central Life, including our table facilitators. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. All right. You guys are not that excited. All right. Here we go. I'm excited about that. All right. Because I don't know if you understand that, but, you know, we have about 200 adults that may come in here on a Sunday morning. There's not that many here this morning, but that, that represents over a third of us in our first time through. And so uh, it, you will find, all right, what we're doing, just to kind of map it out for those of you who didn't come, raise your hand if you were there. Raise your hand if you were there. Come on, raise your hand, all right. So look around you. Don't stare at them, but no, look around. <laughs> no, okay. But you can see who's not there. Here's what happens. We come on in, and for the first uh, uh, little bit, we open up with a couple songs. Um, I, I d- deliver a, a message just about 20 to 30 minutes. Someone else might be delivering that um, as we go on in the weeks to come. And then we break down into uh, small groups, and we go throughout the whole facility. And we got groups of no larger than uh, 10 people that will be in the groups, and guys with guys, girls with girls. All right, and we just go ahead and talk about, oh, yes, you can still get into that. Yep, that's exactly right. That's why I'm telling you about it now. Say it again. Can you still get into that? All right, yes, you can. Show up, all right? Go to the website. Go to the uh, Church Center app. Go out to the Information Center and sign up and be involved with that right away, okay? So we're talking today, and I want to go take us to the Scripture verse that we've been using for our leaping point, all right? And that's in James chapter 1, verse number 22. And it says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Say, do what it says. Do you think there's a lot of people out there that, that have read the word but don't know what it says, but are not doing what it says? Yeah, it's, it's a shame, right? Well, uh, you know, God knows my heart. Anyone ever hear someone say that? Yeah, they've got a good heart. They're just not able to follow through. Huh? All right, how many of you have given that excuse before? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just like, you know, you 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 got to get to know me. I really didn't mean to cut you up and dice you up with my tongue, but, you know, it was just in the heat of the moment. It was just in the anger, you know, type of thing. I, I didn't mean to. Well, listen, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? We want to become people who do what it says. And anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and, in, and immediately, look at this word here, says, what does that say? Forgets. We're going to talk about your forgetter. We're going to talk about your forgetter today, all right? Forgets what he looks like. And you're going to be able to blame it on something, but I'm going to give you something that you can do so you can make your forgetter better. All right? All right. Go ahead. Next verse it says this. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, all right, gives free, uh, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. How many of you have been embarrassed about your forgetfulness? Someone told you something, and you're just like, you were convinced. Absolutely. I cannot tell you how many, I'll call them discussions, that I've had with my wife about what I told her or she told me. But I have no recollection. Right? Amen? Is that happening to anyone else? Is that happening? Okay. Yeah, exactly. They're discussions. All right? But this thing, you know, our minds, they are so awesome. When God made us, he knew exactly what he was doing, right? You realize you don't have a single function. Now, there's part of the spiritual part that I'm going to talk about today, and then there's this physical part, all right? That, and I'll refer to that part as the brain, but sometimes we'll use them, you know, interchangeably, the mind and our brain. But our brain, there's nothing that's happening in your body right now without the brain being aware and sending a signal for that activity to take place. You know that? The heart doesn't function by itself. All right? Yeah. It's got to be working. The lungs don't function by itself. There's, there's signals. There's, there's things that are being, a message that's being sent. All right? When you were walking and you stub your toe, you don't even know it hurts until the brain tells you that they're hurt. Isn't that amazing? It's like, what are you talking about? Someone hits you upside the head, and guess what? If you don't have a brain, you don't feel it. Right? Uh, that's not profound, but I'm just, I just want you to understand. You, you don't feel, someone, there's a mind, all right, that, that's working. It's, it's so important that you understand. And, and there's different regions of the brain that have different purposes. Every human experience that you have, including the movement and how you see your environment, all the involuntary procedures and, and processes within your body, the center for that is happening within your mind and in your brain. It's the organ of your behavior. It's the organ of your minds. It's, it's what helps you. It's what makes you, all right, even give you like the personality that you have with regards to how you respond to adverse situations. Your mind or your brain will control even your feelings. What you think about is going to cause or affect what you're going to feel. How you're going to feel about how others view you. Activated minds are absolutely essential, all right? You might say, well, if I don't have any control over it, then what sense is there? What part do I play? I didn't say you couldn't play a part in, in, in equipping your mind, in increasing the processes, in causing for the things that you think about to be more productive, more productive and effective. No, you can do that in, in those types of ways. It's so important for us to realize that the Lord gave us our minds, and he, he equipped us and got all this stuff going together, all right? But he also made a way by which we can make our, our minds to be renewed. Amen? Anyone ever hear of uh, St. Augustine? Yeah, okay. 
Well, he was uh, there from the, uh, over in North Africa, and he was one of our, our church uh, fathers and as far as in theology, has greatly influenced the Western uh, faith as, as we know it and have it, you know, those types of things. And, and um, he said this, he says that humans are made in the image of God. How many of you knew that? We are made in his image, in his form, and in his likeness, right? And he says, well, if we're made in the image of God, he had this thought. He says, there ought to be some traces of the Trinity in the human mind. And he came up with this, and he says, so at, the traces that he kind of pointed out, he says, all at once, through this one human mind that you have, you have both, a, or all three things. You have a memory, you have understanding, and you have will which also could be slash desire. And as I talk with Joel today, we share even imagination. Your will. You have, what did, what did I say? You have memory, understanding, and will. Your mind helps you to remember things, right? Now, how many of you know that memory is different than understanding? It's a different function, right? You can remember things, but that doesn't give you an understanding. It's not the cognitive part of it, okay? Memory is not cognitive, all right? M memory, all right, uh, or your understanding is what helps you to process things. How many of you know that just because you understand something, it doesn't shape your will? Or your emotions, or your imagination, or your vision? Your will. I, I, I like that. I read that in my studies this week, and I'm sitting there thinking, that's, that's pretty neat, I need my mind for my memory, for my understanding, and for my will or his vision, his purpose, his plan to be played out in my life. In Colossians chapter 3, the Lord knew this subject matter was important for us. And so he says this, he says, since then, verse number 1, he says, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. Say that part with me. Verse number two. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Is this an easy process? It absolutely is not. If you say that it is, then you're, you're, just, you're fooling yourself. You don't understand how affected and, and influenced you are by the things that's happening around you. When your kids call you up, if you're a caring parent, and I believe you are in this room today, or you're a caring grandparent, and they call you up, and they've got some problems, some situation that's taking place in their life, all right? And they say, I need your help. Something kicks in in you, does it not? This caring, this desire to want to do something for these individuals, okay? Because that is, that's, that's part of the earthly things that are going on. And it's real, and we can't, we can't belittle those things, but we can't get stuck on those things, right? Right now, I want to share some you know, news with you. We have someone within our congregation that has a grandson, and he has a family of, with six children and such. And, and they had a fire back in October, and there's a tussle with the insurance company about who's going to pay what and such. And on this Friday, they're, they're, they, the place where they're staying, the temporary thing, is, is going to be defunct. They're going to be virtually homeless. And so, I, I, you know, that, that need was brought to me, and I'm not going to mention any names right now at this point in time, but I want you to, to pray about it. That's an earthly thing. You know what I'm saying? Now, that can bog people down and let them not see that God can be a provider. But the Bible says that we should also make our needs known to one another. So I'm letting you know, if you want to know more about that, you can contact the office. If you've got some furniture, if you've got a, a line on a place to stay for that large of a family or something like that, then please let us know about whatever it is that you can have or whatever the Lord puts upon your heart to, to help with that. That's, that's an earthly thing, but we can't set our minds only on the earthly things. We've got to set our mind on the things above. And this grandson has said, I believe that God's going to do a miracle, Grandma. It's been since October, and things don't look very good, but I'm believing for a miracle. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a system or a, a symptom of someone putting their mind on the things above. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. These are familiar passages of Scripture, but I think it's really important that we dig into these a little bit. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, look at this, by the what? Renewing of your mind. <laughs> You've heard of stinking thinking, right? 
right? Old minds, right? Think old thoughts. But he says he wants to renew your mind. Then you will be able to test and what? Approve. I thought that was actually odd. You get to approve. Approve what? What God's will is, his good, pleasing, does God need your permission? Is that what that verse is saying? But you know, some would read that and say, you know what? When as I'm transformed by the renewal of my mind, then I'm able to test and approve. I get to approve. I get to take a look at what God has in store for me. And I get to approve what God's will is. What do you think that means? Approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, it's important to read things in their context. And here he says, it is once you have been renewed. It's once you have been transformed, all of a sudden your inability to approve, your inability to come into agreement with, your inability to be able to see something that you couldn't see before, all of a sudden with a transformed and a renewed mind, you're able to see a plan that will allow for you to excel and to be better than you've ever thought you could be. That's God's will for your life. A Christian's life is uh, one that is... uh, it's, it's so important because it's a transformed life. I, I like what it says in the New Living Translation. And it says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But not until, right? Not until there's this transformation and renewing that takes place. It goes beyond just conforming. It goes beyond just us coming up with standards as far as the church is concerned and saying, you know what, if you do this, if you do that, if you come to church every time the doors are open, I can assure you that your mind will be renewed, all right? If you will read the Bible this many times, if you will pray this much, it's not just about standards. Instead, it's about an understanding that you have for what God has for your life. You see, God's word encourages us to go deeper and, 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 and to move into a place to where we're not just doing the, 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 the very minimum. We'll say often, over and over again, well, at least I am this way, or at least I didn't do that. I think we ought to become a most people. Where when you talk about what God has for your life, when he wants to do more things, you say, the most that I can do, all right, is, is what God has given me the ability to do because he strengthens me. He, he allows for me to do something beyond my own abilities. You know, the, what we believe in our hearts is absolutely essential to the way in which we act. There's a scripture verse in Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 7. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Now that's a King James vernacular, all right? And I'm, I'm not trying to crush anybody with regards to what it is that you've thought concerning that particular verse. But i got to tell you, many, many times this particular verse is used out of context. It's used in the context that all of a sudden we can reshape our thinking and now we will become a different people, all right? Now, I believe that we should do that, all right? But I want you to understand, this is more of a response type of verse concerning if you go back and you look in Proverbs 23, you can see the event that's taking place and there's a discussion about, uh, uh, about a ruler. You can see about uh, one who is very stingy with his stuff, all right? And he says that, and in the scripture it talks about how the ruler will say, go ahead and eat anything you want, sit down on my table. But he doesn't really mean it. And, and this verse is a warning. And it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And afterwards you can see where it says, watch out, because this is the kind of the people that are out there, all right? I, I, I want to share it with you here. It says you might be able to uh, force yourself to act right for a little while, but eventually what you are thinking about will expose you, reveal you, and betray you. I want to say that again. That's not on the screen. What you, uh, eventually what you are thinking about will expose you, reveal you, and betray you. That's what that scripture verse is saying. He says, listen, I want you to know uh, that, that there are always thinking, okay? He, 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 this is what it said in the, in the context. Verse number seven. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. That's from the New Living Translation. 
Now, you wouldn't kind of get that out of there. See, it's not that one is right and the other is wrong. It's important to read many different translations so that you can get a fuller understanding about and read it especially in the context of what is going on here. But you can't just wake up one day and say, I'm just going to think on this and it's going to make me into something different. Instead, it's more about what you have thought about reveals and exposes who you are. Now let this settle in for a moment. Because many times we want people to think better of us than what we really know that we are. So we put on this thing called a facade. We put on these things called masks. We'll say these things that will come out of our mouth that absolutely, intentionally, we want to make the situation, the atmosphere around us healthy and whole and make everybody feel good. But how many of you have ever asked somebody, how you doing, and what is the most common response? Fine. Liar. Right? No, not every time. But you know what I'm saying? We don't want to be a downer. And so we'll quickly say, fine, is there another way in which someone in full sincerity and genuineness can ask you how you're doing and you have a relationship with that person and if things aren't fine that you could say so? And the realization that you just can't let things come out of your mouth that are not truth and that's going to change the situation. <laughs> it's God's desire for your life that you would come out from underneath the influences of the world. She would stop following the patterns of the world. But in order to do that, you have to have a trans you have to be a transformed individual with a renewed mind, and we can't act the way the world acts. You got to take a look at what what they're how they're responding to situations and and you know what? There's going to be disappointing things that's going to happen for you. But I want to tell you something. God has a way of coming into your situation and turning things around. What you need to understand with the renewed mind is that he wants to place before you a vision of a better tomorrow. You have an understanding of the current situation. You may even have memory of how other things were better a long time ago. But you do not have to get stuck in your memory or in your understanding because your mind also has got what? Will. It's got desire. And he is saying to us through the word today, listen, set your hearts on things above. Right? Set your minds on things above. Don't get stuck in the things that are not going the way in which you want them to go. The problem that we have is that we have raised up a whole generation of superficial individuals who aren't prepared for the disappointments and the hardships of life. And when something starts to go wrong, someone comes along and tells them a false gospel and says, well, there must be something wrong with you. We have a bunch of, we have a churches that are full of people who have band-aids over them. They've been put there, a band-aid is, is in many times placed upon the open wounds. You know what I'm talking about? But how many of you know sometimes those, those kids who get the little bump, skin's not scarred, there's no cut that's there, and, but they go ahead and get that bump, and you can bring out that Band-Aid. They say, will you put a Band-Aid on it, or will you kiss it, or whatever it is that we've told them that will be done, okay? And, and, and what happens? As soon as you put that Band-Aid on it, on many occasions, all of a sudden, the emotional upheaval that that person had, even though their brain could be still sending them notices of the pain and such like that, the, the, they were superficial in the sense that that Band-Aid came over it and, and applied in that, in that hurt area, and they, they were made to think that that Band-Aid made it better. Does it make it better? The Band-Aid can't make it better if there's no exposed wound or damage that's there you know but but we take and we put band-aids over things rather than doing what's necessary in order to for the healing process to truly take place and we gotta deal with the what renewing of our minds god has a message for us today he says listen it isn't about do's and don'ts but you can't conform any longer to the patterns of this world 
You need to hear this today. You need to take notice. You know, there's people who don't have, aren't aware of their surroundings. They're not aware. They're just so quick to go do the next thing, get the next assignment and job done that they just kind of move on and move out. And before you know it, you're in over your head. Anybody ever been in over your head before? Raise your hand. You've been in over your head? All right. Because you're rushed. You just got to get it done. There's a story of a famous photographer who was out in the Midwest, and there were some terrible fires that were happening in the Yellowstone uh, National Park and burning thousands of acres, and this young man was assigned to go capture the heart of the crisis on film. And so uh, he went out, and he was hired by this national organization, uh, magazine, and when he got there, he found that uh, he wasn't going to be able to get good pictures from ground level because of the thickness of the smoke and, and the limitations upon the travel and about how to get in there. And so he thought to himself, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll hire an airplane, and, and I'll go ahead and get pictures from above. And so he did that, and he set it all up, and uh, he chartered this airplane, uh, they made all the arrangements. He jumped into his rental car and, and he rushed off to the airport. And, and when he got to the airport, there was this really young man who was sitting there in a, a small single-engine aircraft, all right? And uh, he, was, he was ready and, and uh, the plane's engine was fueled and it was warmed up ready for takeoff. And, and he had his cameras and, and he had the plan as far as what he was going to do. And the, guy, the, the young uh, pilot says, all right, you ready for takeoff? And he says, yeah. He proceeded going down the runway and there they're going and it was, it was a little rough. You know, and, and uh, uh, the, the pilot says, well, how was that? He was a little bit more nervous than what previous pilots were that, had been, that this photographer had flown with. And he looked, and he says, well, it was a little jerky, but, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. And, and he, he says to the pilot, he says, all right, I need you to get me really close. I need you to get, really get me low, close to these flames so I can get some, some good pictures. And, and he looked at him with terror in his eyes. He's like, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> You know, and they're having this discussion. It wasn't making sense to him. He says, he explained, he said, well, I'm on assignment. And he asked him, well, why would we do that? He says, well, I'm on assignment. I need to be able to do this so that we can go ahead and become, uh, get closer. I can get these pictures. And as he was doing that, all of a sudden there was a few silent moments. And, and, and the pilot looked at him and he says, hey, listen. He says, so you're telling me that you're a photographer? And he says, Yeah. He says, well, who did you think he was? I was. And he says, I thought you were the flight instructor. We're traveling sometimes with people who don't know anything more than what we know. We're in such a hurry in order to get to the next place that we don't realize we're placing our minds or our activities and our thoughts within the hands of other people who are allowed to shape and, and, and put on us all these pressures and these ideas about things. And, and guess what? They may not even be in the same category. You may have more wisdom about things than what they do. The Bible says, he says, listen, I want you to understand you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that renewing takes place because of the God within you. Because of the spirit that you let in and you invite and you say, come and change me. Make me into what I want to be, what you want me to be. And, you know, I, I have three areas here that I just want to talk real quickly about. And it comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 16. And it says this, be of the same mind toward one another. Go ahead, I think that scripture verse is up there. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. That one's not up there? No? Okay. I'll read it again. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. If he wants us to have the mind of Christ, we need to have the same mind as even others. You're like, same mind? There ought to be a common agreement with all of us that are here today. We may not think exactly alike about every detail and every situation in life, but there ought to be a har harmony among us. There ought to be a unity with us. There ought to be something that says, you know what? My mind, first of all, when it comes to things of God, is that he will be glorified. How many can say we can have the same mind with that? 
How many can say that, you know what, we have the same mind when it comes to other people coming to know Jesus Christ? That that's an important aspect. I mean, we, we're of the same mind when we recognize that he is still alive today. He is alive and well and still doing miracles. We need to be of the same mind, thinking the same thing. That was what kept the people together during the times of persecution in Rome. They were of the same mind. They, 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 oh, they had disagreements, but they somehow were able to recognize and say, listen, we've got to have similar goals. We've got to have similar aim. We have to have similar view. We have to have the same will, our desire. When we talk about what we're going to do as a church, we've got to make sure that we are all on the same page. And let me tell you something. Jesus made it very clear about why he was here. His mindset was what? To come and not to be served, but to serve others. Do you think that we ought to line up with him when it comes towards that will, that desire, that mindset? I believe so. We ought to be of one mind in figuring out how we can serve one another. We're supposed to seek the mind of Christ. Develop it. Grow in it. The more we become like him, the sooner we become of the same mind. Listen, I, I've talked with some people. And I could tell you that, that we weren't on the same page because we weren't coming after the same picture of what we thought Christ was. You know what I'm talking about? There's a tragedy that's happening in the, in the Methodist movement right now. How many of you have been seeing that in the, that's happening? And there's this going to be, they're actually agreeing to vote upon the idea that we're going to split because we can't agree upon whether or not um, uh, homosexuality uh, if we could have pastors who would be homosexual or not, or, or if we could do homosexual marriages and things. And, and I'm not putting down the Methodist Church. I'm just giving you information if you're not aware of that. But the Michigan District Council, they just voted that they're going to do that. And it, and it was overwhelmingly, 90% of them says we've, we've taken all we can take with this. We basically got to draw a line in the sand. And those of us who think one way have to get on one side of the fence, and those of us in the other have to get on the other side of the fence. And, and, and it's a sad thing because it was one day that they all thought that they thought, felt the same thing. Well, that's what can happen with us if we get our mind upon the things of the world, upon earthly things. And we don't listen to what the Word of God says. We will only stay true. We will only be people who will accomplish something. Our church will only be effective as long as we stay of the same mind. When I say read the word, I want the word to transform you. When I say to pray, I want you to be saturated with that. So that when we come together and we wonder whether or not or what direction God is leading us in, we can say, this seemed good to us and what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who will lead us. Listen, we need to understand that if our mind's not set on things above and it's focused more upon the, the things of this world, upon human opinions, then, then the oneness of our mind will be destroyed and there won't be unity. And before we know it, we will not be a people who will accomplish anything good. Now, here's the mistake. Here's, here's the situation we've got to be careful of. In the last days, the Bible says... There will be an increase in wickedness. And we're not going to be able to judge the effectiveness of us with attendance only. We're not going to be able to just take a look at what seems to be the most popular. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's going to come a time when those will, people who have ears that need to be tickled will listen to what the world has to offer. There are things that's happening in the news right now. Michigan, and there's, a, there's an agenda that's in place to try to get it so that, that we cannot speak on certain subject matters that we find in the Word of God to be truthful, to set people free, to help them to understand. Listen, I don't hate anybody. Let me say that again. I don't hate anybody, nor should you. You ought to love every single person because they are created being in the image and the likeness of God. But it cannot stop us from telling the truth. It should not stop us from embracing and wrapping our arms around it. I love it when somebody says, as I met this last week, oh, you don't want to hug me. I'm all messed up. I'm like, oh, my goodness, get over here. I want to hug you all the more. 
I want to be involved in the sense of and try to help you to understand. Listen, it isn't about what you've done that makes me like you or not like you. You are created in the image of my creator, and I love you, all right? And, and as we grow in relationship, I want to tell you some things that will be able to change the way in which you view things. I wonder if I might be able to share the word of God with you. I wonder if you might be able to understand this love that I have for you. Would you think that I shouldn't? What the source of it is, where it comes from, it comes from him. He puts it in my heart. It isn't about what you can give me. It's not about what you can do for me. But let me tell you, there is a truth to be proclaimed, and, and I think it's so important that we continue to do that. We can only do that as our minds are renewed. So activated disciples, right, will be of one mind. Activated disciples do not set their minds on the high things. What do I mean by the high things? The things that are haughty, the things that are too ambitious. If we're going to be an activated disciple-making church, then we need to be people who don't aspire for eminence. These, I'm reading, these are some of the, the takeaways from some of the other uh, editors and translators as far as the word. That one was from Berkeley. Do not aspire to eminence from that particular verse. Philip's uh, version says, don't become snobbish. Y'all know what a snob is, right? Someone who's condescending, someone who's looking, but associate with the humble. Associate with the lowly. Uh, you know, accept the humble task. Is there any task that's beneath you, pastor? Oh, there's some I'd rather not do, but guess what? There's not anything I won't do. There's nothing I look up on and say, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm the pastor of this church. Those of you who know me, you know that's true. And it should be the same for you. Where you're at. And what you strive to be, you ought to be a person who takes a real interest in ordinary people. You should not think too highly of yourself or of things, all right? But you need to take heed and you need to listen to the attitude of David. David who was anointed to be the king, amen? He was anointed to be the king. Things were set up. It was over and over an opportunity that he could have done his own actions, his own motions to move the agenda along. There could have been some things that he wanted to do because Samuel anointed him with oil and said, you're going to be the next king. And it didn't happen right away. Instead, he had to go and be the servant to, to, to Saul, his, uh, his ridiculer, his persecutor. And, and, and there was even an occasion when he could have taken him out. And he went into the, a cave and he cut off a section of his robe just to let him know, here's what I could have done to you. This is what I could have done, but I didn't do it because I'm not going to think too highly of myself. And actually, he gets dealt with by, he believes God, dealing with him and says, listen, I shouldn't even have done that. Lord, forgive me for touching your anointed. <laughs> forgive me. And he says, I, 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 it's so important for you to realize. He says, I know that the Lord's anointed me. But it's for him to also elevate me. It's for him to take me when I need to be there and how I need to get there. <laughs> James chapter 2, verse 1. There's an occasion in which we're being instructed. He says, my brothers, it's not on the screen, but as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. You show special attention to the man wearing flying clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And I, re I know I read this a, a while ago with, uh, with regards to um, activated to equality. But listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Why is it important to have the mind of Christ? Because we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves. And here's the thing. You know it many times when that's happening in you. And we're ashamed to admit it. We put a band-aid on it. And we'll say, well, I acted this way because of my position or what I have to get done. I mean, there's all kinds of excuses that we come up with. Praise him, I want you to come if you would, please. Last place is this, is to be activated disciples, we must have a humbleness of mind. A humbleness of mind. The New King James Version says, do not be wise in your own opinion. Do not be conceited. 
The Living Bible says, don't think you know it all. Apostle Paul cautions us about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, a renewed mind will maintain a strong sense of humility. An awareness that one has much to learn from God and from others. That's what will happen. We will be humbled. We give awards for people who become wise to the standards of this world. What do we do for people who become wise when it comes to the standards of God? Do we treat those people who study to show themselves approved? Workmen who do not need to be ashamed? Wouldn't that be, isn't that what we should be doing? I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize the things I don't know. Instead, I, I'm looking for ways. I'm looking for ways to which, due to the society in which we live, the culture in which we live, have, have said to other individuals, you are less. And I'm looking for ways to pull them up. I want a renewed mind. I, I, I know I'll get misunderstood. Because in order to even help some people whom are less, whether it be society or economically, or whether it be spiritually and such, they have to deal with the pride issue as well. They have to say, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm not quite there, you know. And it can come across arrogant. You know, confidence can come across as arrogance. But, but we shouldn't stop being confident in who we are in Christ. And I'm going to close with a story about an individual. It tells a story of Don, and, and, and I'm not probably going to pronounce it right. I read it, I didn't hear it, so I couldn't find a pronunciation anywhere of it. But the story of Don Quixote. Quixote? I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure, but it. Cervantes is thrown into prison in a place called Seville. He found himself in the middle of a band of cutthroats and tries to divert them from bringing harm to them by telling them a story of Don Quixote. QA? Quixote, all right, thank you. And he goes, uh, and, and in the story, Quixote pictures himself as a chivalrous knight. And he goes forth to right all the wrongs in the world and take it by storm. But the Don is a man who lives in a world of impossible dreams. And his, his armor is shabby and his horse is sagging. And he rides for his fair lady whom he calls Dulcinea. Which means sweetness. But Dulcinea is far from a fair lady. You see, she is a prostitute in a country tavern. And she assures him that she is the most casual bride of the murderous scum of the earth. And her real name is Aldonza. And she resents Quixote's intrusion in her life and screams at him, saying she is no kind of lady. But this Don, this person, he's telling this story. He persists and says this, but still you are my lady. <laughs> she resents it even all the more. And he says that he sees heaven, and when he sees her, to, he, when he sees heaven, he sees her, and, and, he, and she replies, and she says, then your dream must be covered in rusty tin. No self-esteem whatsoever, absolutely seeing herself for who she was, and soon in Don Quixote's family tries to make him face the reality. They oblige him to see the world as it's shocking to him as far as in the reality. They begin to succeed, and, and his health and his spirit begin to be broken down, and He's at the point of giving up in an impossible dream. How many of you have had a vision before? Your mind worked and says, this is something that you can do to make a difference in someone's life. But after multitude failures, after multitude of, of things not working out, you're just like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. I'm going to stop. <laughs> but here, as he's coming to this place which people wanted him to get to about the real reality. He's at the point of giving up and Eldonza 
comes, this is the, the woman, into his room, and she looks at him with grateful eyes and says, listen, you looked at me and called me by another name, Valsinia. And Aldonza had become a lady, and her life had been renewed by someone who dared to believe in what she could become rather than what she was. The Lord wants to change our minds. He wants to renew our minds. He wants us to think on things that are above and not get stuck on all the things that are below, right? And I think we need to work in this sense, if we could work it, to think about how we can become people of the same mind. People who would not think too highly of ourselves. People who would be humble. And then and only then we can say this is how we identify with Christ. He made us in his image and in his likeness. He's made us with memory, understanding, and a will. A vision for everything that we could become. I wonder if we could wake up every morning and say, Lord, how am I doing with that? I remember the things in the past. I've got a better understanding about things than I had in the past. And this is where you want to take me. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We're thankful that you've given to us this great opportunity to let you, by the power of your Spirit, shape our minds and our hearts. Lord, we're asking you to move and to do something that we could not do by ourselves. we just pause for a moment and just reflect and let your holy let the holy spirit just work on you and expose any things that need to be exposed any stinking thinking anything that you need to say lord this is not quite like you i have a hard time being on the same mind as my brothers and sisters in the lord when i don't have the same mind as you work in me Blessed be your name. Glorify you, Lord. If you're here today and the enemy has convinced you that you're hopeless, that you, as many times as you've tried, you have failed God over and over again. And you feel like he's maybe even getting a little frustrated with you. I'm not saying that emotion isn't there for the Lord as far as disappointment, but it cannot and does not supersede the love, the yearning, and the work that he will do to reach you right where you're at. So if you're here today and you're not convinced of that, and, and you're just in a tough spot, you're, you say, I, I, the enemy's trying to convince me that I just, I'm just a mess up and I can't be anything different. Only thing I can remember is all my mess ups. But I want that to change. I want a new vision. I want a new mind. You here today? If that is that you, would you lift up your hand right now? Yeah. Yes. 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 Where you at? Yes. Anyone over here to my right? God bless you. Oh. Don't you love it? Yes, I see that. To my left. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. Don't you love it when people get a glimpse of healing people get a glimpse of wholeness the very things that the enemy has tried to do to hold us into bondage we wake up and we say no no <laughs> oh Lord Jesus I stretch my hands towards these individuals I come into agreement with those hands that were raised and I declare today that a fresh vision will come I declare today as they choose 
to saturate themselves in your presence through the word and through praying and communication with others within the body of Christ. That they will be of like-mindedness and the same mind as you. I pray right now. Will you pray with me right now? Will you lift up your voice? You don't have to know who these people are. Just know that there's a good 10 to 15 people in here who raised their hand and said, right now, right now I need God to do something and give me a fresh vision. The enemy is trying to convince me that nothing's going to change, but today it's going to change for me. Come on, will you intercede? Will you intercede for them right now and say in Jesus' name, do it. Do it, Lord. Show them. Show them the path. Give them a clear picture right now. As their eyes are closed and they put their heads upon their pillow tonight, may it arise within them this hope and this picture of what it's like to be free from addiction, free from burden, free from unforgiveness, free from resentment in Jesus' name. Oh God, free from loneliness. Some are so lonely and feel abandoned. For the hurt, God, I pray right now. Oh, rush in, rush in, rush in like a mighty wind. A mighty wind right now. Mm. Oh, Jesus. My heart, my heart, my heart, Lord. I'm working hard to set it upon you. I've got, we've got some earthly things. There's some earthly trials and struggles for people. But, oh, I believe, God. I believe in the vision that you've given to me of people who are whole. The most broken individuals. The ones who have all kinds of marks and scars and things on their life that a Band-Aid won't fix. Hmm. As a matter of fact, God, we want to pull that Band-Aid off and allow the Holy Spirit to come in. May hurt for a while. Go and dig out that infection right now in Jesus' name. That's what I see happening right now. I, I, I don't want to hold you longer than what we need to, but I really believe something can happen in some individual's lives here today that will be, be forever changing for you. Just as a doctor has to go in and, and, and clean out sometimes the infection, when, the, when the, the medicine that's given orally, sometimes it's not enough, the Holy Spirit wants to come in and he, and he says, the fire, let the fire come, let it burn, let it, let it carterize that, that particular area in Jesus' name. Get a picture, get a picture of it. You know we're talking about miracles here, right church? We're talking about something that can't be done any other way except for God doing this. I wonder if you'd be willing to stand to your feet, everybody in this place. And and I really believe that I wasn't planning on doing this and time has gotten away from me. But I think that some of you need to come to this altar and you need to have hands laid on you. You know who you are. You want to change. You want to say, enough is enough, enemy. I want a fresh vision. I want a renewed mind. Get out of your seat. Come down here right now.